Thank you for joining AJPGI and Liver Physiology for our newest podcast series, Got Guts? The Micro Version, where authors address four key points of their paper. Hi, I'm Jamie Jones, the producer of these podcasts, and I hope you enjoy this new series. First, we'd like to thank the American Journal of Physiology for giving us the opportunity to share this prospectus paper in a podcast. Second, as a brief introduction, I'm Theo van Kempen. I have a PhD in Nutritional Sciences from the University of Illinois. I've also been on faculty at North Carolina State University, but today I work mainly in industry and product development. Hi, all. So my name is Gavin Bubo. Uh, I did my master's in health food innovation management at the University of Maastricht. Uh, and that's how Theo and I got into contact on this subject, because uh, I did a thesis project with him in which we focused on metabolomics. And in the meantime, I did my PhD at Wageningen in the subject of animal and sciences. And like Theo, today I'm active in the industry as a technical commercial manager. Yeah. The story actually starts in 1998. I had a PhD student, Neil Chow, that was trying to develop in vitro protein digestion assays. And Neil was painstakingly optimizing the amount of enzymes to have a minimum amount of enzyme and maximum amount of digestion. And what was really surprising is that it took in vitro three days to digest a protein sample to completion, while an animal can do that in a matter of minutes. So clearly we're missing something very important in those in vitro systems. Now, if we then fast forward 20 years, um, I want to talk a little bit about the thesis work that I did together with Teo, uh, because when we were working on that, we did find in our results a lot of metabolites that had an undefined function. So we were trying to figure out why we were seeing these. And while going through literature, we stumbled upon the lab of Rob Verborte and Yang Choi at Leiden University. Um, because what we saw in their work was actually quite similar to what we were seeing. Um, they were doing most of their metabolomic works in plants, and they revealed high concentrations of molecules, which from a metabolic perspective didn't really make sense. And then you can think of sucrose, fructose, proline, choline, or malic acid. What these molecules had in common when they dug into it a little bit deeper is that they were all eutectic. And eutectic is derived from the Greek word for easily melted. And the easiest way to explain eutectic is to actually take an example, honey. Honey is composed mainly of two sugars, glucose and fructose. And glucose and fructose at room temperature are solids. However, honey is a liquid. The reason that honey is a liquid, that actually the glucose and fructose, when you combine them at unique molar ratios, they can actually form hydrogen bridges between them. And these hydrogen bridges change the properties of the molecules and actually end up making it a liquid. And it's not only a liquid, it's a liquid of very unique properties. We can dissolve all kinds of molecules in honey, for example, starch, which is not soluble in water, not soluble in lipid, but also honey, Eutectic solutions can support enzyme activities. And with the right eutectic blend, you can actually have higher enzyme activity, for example, amylase and protease, than in water. And also the enzymes may well have a much longer half-life in in, uh, a eutectic solution than in water. Yeah, and if we look at Yang Choi and the work that he published, uh, in his work, he basically argues that there are three media in plants. Uh, The first two are very common to all of us, which are the water and the lipid. But then next to that, he also explained this, there's a third one, which he defined as being NADIS, natural deep eutectic solvents, um, which as they alluded to, are the ones that are made by the molecules in the plants. And this last part actually explains how molecules like starch can be produced and degraded. Also, as Theo already mentioned, insects use such environments as honey. Now, 
if we can see insects as well as plants um, using this environment, then the question that we posed ourselves was, why don't we see such a thing in animals or has it simply not been looked into? Well, as a first step, we looked at start digestion and using the NADAS molecules or at least systems in those. Yeah, trying to see how it all fit together while bicycling around, I actually came up with the, with the thought that mucin is actually a perfect match for a NIDAS environment, and it fits very well with what we're looking for. Uh, mucin, sorry, has a protein backbone, and the protein is actually very high in eutectic amino acids like treonine, proline, tryptophan, and serine. It is glycosylated with eutectic carbohydrates and amino sugars. It is high in organic acids and it's high in quaternary ammonium compounds, such as choline and ethanolamine. And actually choline, when people try to make eutectic solutions in a lab, is really the, the, the main building block that is being used because of its versatility. When we analyzed using 40 molecules, we actually found that in principle component analysis, they, they, they grouped together very nicely and there were very strong correlations between these molecules. For example, between choline and creatinine, we had an R-square value of 0.35, which doesn't fit with uh, it being uh, random. There's something going on. And from a nutritional perspective, but also from a metabolic perspective, just like Jung Choi, we cannot explain these high correlations. So in order to dig into this a little bit further, um, the next step that we did is we decided to image amylase in the intestine. Um, so what we did for that is we collected samples of piglet intestines and um, we tried to keep the lumen as intact as possible. And then afterwards stained and analyzed them at the University of Maastricht. Now, if you look at the results, we can quite clearly see that amylase was present in the inner mucin layer within the intestinal tract, but not in the lumen itself. Now, when we found this, we started to dig around into literature again, and we stumbled upon work from Kimi Date, um, which actually shows as well that amylase is in the glycocalyx um, and attached to in the enterocyte, which was a very interesting finding. Uh, but then when we looked at the more older papers, like Hugo Leff and Delay in 1973, they were actually showing the same thing. In short, this means that starch has to enter and dissolve into the mucin layer in order for it to be digested. And only when amylase is bound can it have its activity. Yeah. So based on that, we formed the hypothesis that mucin is actually a NADAS or natural deep eutectic system digestion platform within the intestinal tract. And we actually feel that throughout the body, there's likely these NADAS environments in various parts of the body that act as factory floors, basically for the synthesis and degradation of various molecules that are otherwise hard to dissolve in water and the lipid. And a practical implication of this work is that actually in vitro systems, as we're using today, a lot of them use water as a medium. We may well be using uh, the wrong medium in them. What we hope to achieve with this paper and also with this podcast is that other research pick up this very fascinating area of research. For example, what are the implications for digestive health, but also other applications like autism. Unfortunately, Gavin and I are not in research anymore today, so we cannot pick it up uh, anymore from our side. We'd like to thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our micro podcast series. To listen to our latest episodes, please visit AJPGI and Liver Physiology's homepage.